into District 1 Sports. Mike and Micah back with you this week. Micah, it's been an eventful week in the D.C. sports world. Last week, we talked about this Washington Wizards team on how it's been the biggest roller coaster of them all. They, they'll lose five in a row. They'll win five in a row. We did say the schedule was going to get a lot weaker and things were going to change. And they did. Washington has now won their last five in a row, a week schedule, are tied for 10th place, are looking like they're probably going to make the playing game. And we did touch on it a little bit last week, but now that it seems very real and they actually have backed up some of the things we've seen before, we can no longer talk about top five in the draft. That looks like that's gone now. So my question for you, Micah, here is, what are you trying to see from the rest of the season? Obviously, at this point, I want to see a first-round matchup. There, there's no point in going getting into the play-in and uh, losing that, and then you're just stuck at number nine. So now, why not? Let me go see a 1-8 matchup versus Philadelphia, and let's see what we can do there. Yeah, man. And honestly, I, I do want to see them take on whoever the number one seed is going to end up being. If it is Philly, then, you know, I like our chances. Talking in more of a general sense, I really do – you know, it's kind of been leading to this point with the Wizards that we've gotten to, you know, the point where we're talking about them being in the plane and stuff like that. And it's really one of those things where, like, I mean, do they really deserve to be there? I mean, no, not necessarily, but they turned it on at the right times this season to even get considered. So um, you have to take them a little bit seriously if they're in that role. And that's kind of the point I'm trying to make here and kind of what I want to see out of them. When it comes to playoff teams of the rest of the season, I know we have one of the easiest, if not the easiest schedule after the All-Star break, this, that, and the third, especially this stretch coming up. When playoff teams are on the board, it's time to really start playing them like playoff teams. And there's a couple of playoff teams mixed in with the other bad teams and things like that. You know, after this little bit of stretch, I mean, the games aren't necessarily easy. I mean, there's no, you know, picking and choosing when you want to play guys or you have to come out and play 100% every, every game. And we're kind of seeing it now. Um, Russell Westbrook has been not deserving of slander for once this season, and it's not a propaganda thing. And really what I want to see out of the rest of this team, you know, uh, for the team for the rest of the season is really just them playing to the ability they can, which is, I guess, what we wanted all year. But um, if they want to play like a playoff team at times, I want to see it more consistently. And this is the same thing we were talking about in February when they won this win streak. Yes, the win streak was great. And, you know, winning – 10 out of 11 games at that time was great, but um, was it consistent? No. Well, now they have another chance to at least show a little bit of consistency going into the possible postseason and play, and that's what I want to see. And I want to see if this team is really, you know, if they're real, if they finally come to their senses. But we'll see as it, play, as it plays out. I'm still a little bit iffy on this team, but I do think they have a, a chance to maybe play a little bit of spoiler depending on who it is. I, I do, I'll give them that much. So what have you seen in the past five, six games that, you're like, wow, this team is different from when, yeah, they are beating lesser teams, but they also have lost to lesser teams a lot earlier this season. So what do you think the biggest difference in these last five games are? Yo, so one of my biggest things that I'm saying, first of all, having Daniel Gaffer uh, on the team, it just helps out with everything. I mean, his energy, what he's bringing to the table, the fact that he, in the little bit of time that he's been playing, has been on a minutes restriction. And he's still producing it. It's a really big thing. But as a team and as a unit, everybody's playing to their roles and probably the best they played all season besides the, the February win streak, uh, win streak. And this team, for some reason, when everybody is playing their role and they're not, you know, overstepping each other or doing things that they shouldn't do, everything works out fine. And I guess really what this team is bringing to the table now is the balance of it all. And you're kind of starting to see that. And yes, these are bad teams. But what better way to find your ground and find your footing at this time in the season than against bad teams. Um, it seems like Russell Westbrook isn't forcing it as much as he was before. 
Um, it seems like Bradley Beal, although he's still missing at times in the fourth, he's finishing a little bit better at times. And the role players are doing exactly what they need to do. They're filling in the roles, they're filling in the gaps, and they're playing good basketball. I love what I'm seeing out of the bench. And that kind of goes into what I was talking about with Daniel Gafford. Um, you can talk about Bertans kind of being a starter kind of bench kind of hybrid thing going on where he gets a lot of minutes, but I feel like he's more effective when he's not starting the game and coming off the bench. Robin Lopez, we've been talking about him all year as a guy who just brings energy and brings a good offense to whenever you're you know, on the court, but them playing their roles and them actualizing that, okay, these guys do this well. So we want to really hammer this home and focus on this. I think it's, <laughs> it's showing that it actually works and that if they had kind of stuck to this all season, maybe they would be in a different scenario. But I think they're playing more balanced ball. I think they're playing with good, if not the best effort this season. And I think they just want it right now. And like I said, what better time to want it than facing bad teams going into the stretch where you could be in the plans. I'm all for it. I'm happy I'm seeing some balanced basketball from them just a little bit, finally. So I, I definitely agree with that. I, I think the number one thing, and, and you pointed it out off the top, is Gafford. Gafford, there's six and one in games that Gafford has played. And it's it's not a coincidence. Gafford, the way that he's played, if this team just plays a little bit of defense, they're able to win these games. Right. We saw it in the Pelicans game um, earlier earlier last week. Zion is driving to the lane. He blocks him twice. He's able to um, make critical st- uh, stops in that last two minutes. And that leads to what, what you see where they're able to take him to overtime and beat him and Russ takes over. And if you're able to get at least some type of consistent defense from – Gafford and then Russ is playing defense and it becomes contagious, contagious everywhere. Then you're in a position where, okay, you have one of the best shooters in the game in Bertans where he's, when he's hitting threes, he came back having a baby. Congratulations. Uh, six, six from 12 from the three point line. You have one of the best scorers in the game in Brad, you have one of the best distri- distributors and just energy guys in Russ. And now you add into the mix some defense. That's what you call a real basketball team. You're not one dimensional. You're not, if your shots aren't falling, there's no shot you're winning the game. So I think that's become the most important thing. This equation for the last couple of games, you see Gafford is playing defense and Beal's being better and Russ is being better and everything is coming together at the right time and it works out perfectly for the Wizards. They do play the uh, Warriors tonight. The game already would have started by the time this pod gone up, but Steph and Brad going back at it for a scoring title should be uh, should be a definitely fun matchup. I do have one more question though. Mm-hmm. It's been the debate around Wizards Twitter the past couple of days. Thomas Bryant was obviously the center of the future. With the way Gafford is playing now, where are you leading to next year that you want as your starter? Would you want Gafford starting? Would you want Bryant starting? Would you? I mean, it, it would be very unlikely, but go a two man lineup with Gafford and Bryant because Bryant can help space the floor. And then you have Rui uh, play the three and then Brad at two and Russ obviously at the one. So what are your thoughts on this uh, Gafford versus Brian debate? I'm still in, I love what Daniel Gafford does bring to the table, but I'm still very much rooted in that. Thomas Bryant is the guy that I want to see going forward. And we've kind of seen this year that on multiple center rotations and lineups, you can kind of make it work. If Scott Brooks showed us anything this year is that you can make a three center rotation work. So I'm okay with that if it works, you know, if you have the right personnel for it. And I think adding Thomas Bryant to what Dan Gafford has been doing, doing is a good one-two combination. They don't necessarily play the same exact game. And I think at times they fill in, um, they complement each other at times. So you can see, I can see a situation where Thomas Bryant gets to start, but it's not like Daniel Gafford is not getting 20 to 25 plus minutes a game. I think that there's a, there's a role for them that, you know, they're both not necessarily traditional centers in a sense where, both of them aren't seven foot. 
They're not 250 plus, but they are high energy, high effort guys. And what Thomas Bryan did really well was, even though he didn't necessarily have the ideal size, he would just play out his mind with competitive spirit. And I do think that there's a role for both of them on the team. So, um, you know, kind of just answering your question, man, I think Thomas Bryan will be the starter de facto going into the next year. But it's not like Daniel Gaffer and his contributions won't be seen by whoever the coach is and whoever the staff is. I do think it'll be more of a center split. And I don't think the the true traditional starter role is even a thing for centers unless they're like Jokic anymore. So I'm okay with that. As long as they get um, enough time to kind of show what they can do per game and kind of bring their talents to the forefront, I really do think it'd be a fluid kind of situation. But um, on paper, it'll probably be Thomas Bryant. Looking at this debate and reading what everybody had to say, I truly, I, I don't care. I think it's pretty simple on how I would want the lineups to be staggered. Brian can start, Gafford can start, doesn't really matter to me. When you get into the flow of the game, I would want Russ and Gafford always to be playing yes. together. Yes. Whenever Russ is on the floor, Gafford is on the floor. Depending on the fourth quarter, whether, whether you have an Embiid, um, you might want to go Gafford because of size, or if you have a smaller guy, you can go Brian. You can, you can mess uh, with that. But essentially from that first substitution, to your last two minutes in the fourth quarter, I would love for Gafford and Russ to play together. Whenever that time may be, whatever it's going to be, because their connection is unstoppable. When he's driving and just lobbing it up to Gafford, Gafford is able to uh, Simon home. They feed off each other's energy. They're both high energy guys. And Bryant, Thomas Bryant is a very high energy guy too, but Gafford brings something a little bit different. I would also love, yeah, have it staggered too with Beal and Thomas Bryant, where Beal can drive, you could have a pick and pop situation. I do think Thomas Bryant probably does end up starting. I mean, Scott Brooks was very adamant and Thomas Shepard were both very adamant that his he was the starter and whoever was coming in here as a center would be the backup. And it deterred a lot of centers, but you got Robin Lopez to come this year and it worked out well for him. If Bryant's ACL was 100% healed and he's fine to go and ready to go, then 100%, yeah, have him be the starter again. But I think going into a new staff, the new coaches that, they may not be as, as high on him. And if they really do love the Russ-Gafford um, connection, then we may see that. I, I just want to make sure that they're always playing together as much as possible. I think, obviously, as we get closer to the end of the season, and Scott Brooks said today in his pregame availability, as the minutes restrictions come off, we should look to or to see Gafford starting at some point to end the season. The Wizards are, like we said, they're our favorite team, the most frustrating team. You never know <laughs> what you're getting with them. And, hey, that's why that, that's why that's all we, we like to go ahead and, and watch this team. They're, they're just a, a fun team that's going to get our emotions going up and down each and every week. We'll see what happens this week. They do have some a little bit of tougher schedule. They have, again, the Warriors tonight. Besides that, you, you have a couple more games that should be winnable by the time we talk next week. Moving on, let's get to the Washington football team. So... We're getting close, Micah. It's <laughs> it's feel, It feels like we've been going in this circle forever. We've been talking about these guys forever, and we're finally getting to the end of the line. I first want to start with Peter Schrager. He was the big, bad bully and villain of, <laughs> of uh, Washington <laughs> football Twitter this week. He came out with a mock draft three days ago saying that Travis Etienne, the running back from Clemson, great player. But let me just start this here. Travis Etienne, a great player, but he had the Washington football team drafting him at 19. Ooh. I'm, I'm not going to explain anything else. Micah, just, just take it away. 
Oh, man. Okay, so it's a lot to unpack and a little bit to unpack. First of all, just no, bro. We have four running backs on the roster already. I mean, what, what, what? besides that, like, what else really needs to be said? But there is a little bit more to say. So let's just talk about fit and scheme and things like that. I will compare Travis Etienne to a guy um, like Alvin Kamara who has the intangibles coming right out of college to be a third down back or be an all down back, an every down kind of back. It's really about what you want him to do. But the issue is, and it's not necessarily an issue, but what I guess the faulty logic is with what Peter Schrager is saying is the idea that we need that. Well, when J.D. McKissick is only <laughs> trailing and uh, running back catches to the guy himself, Alvin Kamara, it's like, okay, well, he doesn't fill that need. When we have Antonio Gibson, who realistically can do both, if you really ask him to, he can play all three downs if you really, really want him to. But he's, in my mind, our future running back for next year. Well, where's the fit for Travis Etienne? Where does he get on the field? Where does he get his touches? And, I mean, just conventional wisdom purposes, man, you don't necessarily take a running back at 19 unless everything else is filled need-wise. And if we're at a – if we're even at the you don't point – You don't take a running back in the first round. You, you, you don't. do not take a running back in the first round. You you don't. You really, really don't. And if you do, it's that pick 30 to 32, and you're like, you know what, why not? But really what the the big thing here for me is if we're a team that has clear needs still, Think free safety, think linebacker, maybe, uh, you know, a left tackle or just a lineman in general. Hell, even think if you want to add another receiver, you still want to go that route. Quarterback. I mean, I could list every other position need besides running back that we need. So why would we be at 19, not trade down, not make any moves, but pick a running back? That If we were to pick Travis Etienne at 19 for as good as a player as he is, it would be like a C move. It wouldn't be anything. We wouldn't get better or worse because that's not a need for us. Running back, if anything, running back was one of the best positions on offense and maybe the best position on offense, running backs and tight ends last year. The improvements, I mean, sure, if there's a, there was a Heisman running back, maybe, but even then, is there a fit there? No, not really. Travis Etienne, I hope he doesn't get his talents wasted. You know, I hope he goes somewhere where he'll actually play, but we already have two Travis Etienne's. Right now, I don't necessarily need a third. Peter Schrager, nice take. Not for us, though, bro. I see why uh, Washington football Twitter killed you. Yeah, you, you explained it well. And I'm not going to spend too much more time on this. <laughs> you don't take a running back in the first round. You don't take a running back in 19. You don't take a running back when you have Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, Peyton Barber in your backfield. You don't have to take Travis Etienne when you have uh, basically Travis Etienne in Antonio Gibson exactly. and J.D. McKissick. Like, ETL went back to school to work on his pass-catching ability. Great. That's amazing. I'm happy for him. We already have a pass-catching back. AG is already your essential three-down back. <laughs> like, what exactly? He said you need a firepower? Then why not take Bateman? Why not take any other wide receiver that's available there? It, it just made no sense in his reasoning. Obviously, it's the type of mock draft that gets us talking, that gets us – agitated on the podcast so yeah why why not get us going but I just thought it was it, it was definitely something that was super idiotic to me to even to even bring up so I, I had to bring it up because it was big on, on Twitter but it, it's such a joke moving on um this is the last podcast we're going to do before the draft we'll, we'll do a podcast on uh, Friday uh get our reactions of first day of the NFL draft and what Washington did so Micah I'm putting you on the spot here yeah man the draft has started. The first 
three picks have gone through. It's it's Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and whoever quarterback is at three. The draft for you officially starts at number four. What exactly are you doing? Are you staying at 19? Are you trading up to four? Are you trading up to eight? This is your official pick on the record. What is Ron Rivera and that front office doing at 19? Ooh, at 19, man. Um, So, I, all right, let's, let's just break this down. So, our draft starts at four. I'm looking at the Atlanta Falcons, and I'm just seeing what they're doing. I'm not jumping the gun. I see the Bengals there right after them. I see the Dolphins there, um, courtesy of the Eagles. I even see the Lions there, and I'm like, all right. I see y'all. I see what y'all are doing. And then I get to the Carolina Panthers at eight. And I'm like, okay, well, if we're doing math, right, and there's three quarterbacks already gone, and pick four doesn't necessarily need a quarterback unless they're thinking for the future. Pick five has Joe Burrow. Pick six has Tua, which as much as whatever you want to feel about Tua, they're going to play him through his rookie contract. And pick seven has Jared Goff. Say what you want about Jared Goff. Once again, he's getting paid a lot of money. He's going to play football. He's going to be their starting quarterback. So then you look at pick eight, and there's a certain guy named Trey Lance there, and I know what the Panthers just did. You know where I'm going with this, man. And that's that's that would be my ideal first round is that we do get Trey Lance. And I've been up and, you know, up all over about it and things like that. As far as what could you know, the upside be from a guy like Trey Lance, especially in an ideal scenario. You don't get a lot of quarterbacks with a lot of promise that are first round guys that go in the top 10 that go to really, really great playoff team situations. And I think we have the luxury of kind of having everything right before 20 to kind of just look at and see. And I do think that probably the best move for this team going forward in the future will be to get a, a quarterback on a rookie deal this year, not have to pay him a lot of money, and just let him prove himself after Ryan Fitzpatrick moves on. Whatever that might happen, whatever, you know, they split time this season. If it's just a next year thing, which would be ideal, you let that happen. Now, that would be my ideal first pick. So my ideal first pick is we trade up to eight with the Carolina Panthers. You do whatever shifting and shaping you have to do, and you make that happen, you get Trey Lance. So let's say Trey Lance is already taken, or let's say some weird stuff happens and another team leaps up. Okay. Then you sit back at 19. You breathe. Just chill out, and you go take Zayden Collins, man. It's simple. It's it's a two choices for me, man. At this point, earlier in the process, I would like to have seen maybe a receiver, but I don't even necessarily think that's a first round need for them anymore. And especially that this receiver cash, uh, class is thirty plus deep. There's no reason to take a first round guy anymore when you handled your receiver issues. I, I believe in the offseason. I think it's either quarterback or linebacker. And realistically, my favorite guys are Trey Lance and Zayden Collins. Trey Lance would be at eight. Sam Collins at 19, getting any of those guys, you feel a like really, really good need. And I think some, a move that will really, really help this franchise out a lot. But those are my guys, man. I'm really eyeing that Trey Lance pick. I really hope they do trade up because getting Trey Lance in the building is just going to add a little bit of pep in my step, man. We might get that quarterback for more than five years. So I've gone back and forth, obviously, thinking about what exactly I think the Washington football team is going to do. So like I think we talked about it last week or two weeks ago. I've ruled out number four. We don't yeah. have enough, like we're, we're too far, like in our rebuilding stage to give up uh, multiple first round picks for number four. So I thought about it. I said, what has happened the past couple of weeks, at least the last week? It seems like Trey Lance and Justin Fields stock is rising and Mac Jones and uh, Mac Jones stock is falling. 
Well, let's see what let's see let's see what we can do here. So if the 49ers do not take Mac Jones at three, the next possible spot that he probably goes is Patriots at 15. Yep. So after looking at it, I I I think Washington is going to end up trading up, whether it be eight, whether it be 14. They're not getting 10, 11, or 12, obviously, because mm-hmm. we know um NFC East. I think Washington football trades up one spot before to take Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is going to be the faller of the draft that either Justin Fields or Trey Lance goes number three. And from there, we just see him falling, falling, falling. Washington sees him at 14, doesn't want to get into the pit to the pass and say, you know what? We'll get our guy of the future. And that ends up being Mac Jones. Just a prediction for me personally, I, I would want to trade up. Hopefully if Trey Lance was there at eight, like you said, take him. Or if not, I would sit back. I would take um, Collins at 19 if he's there. I would take Bateman at 19 if he's there. Um, oh, yeah. The conversation today about what was going on with uh, Devontae Smith, that he may fall because of his weight. If Devontae Smith is there at 16, I would trade up to 16. Yeah, to get yeah let, let the Heisman winner fall. <laughs> yeah, like, sure, so be it. I, I'm 100% behind that. So there are a lot of options. But what I do think the Washington football team is going to do, they trade up to number 14, and they end up taking Mac Jones. Now, with with that and with day one and everything going on, there there have been a lot of conversation on what order the quarterbacks are going to go in. I think it's pretty certain we know one, two, uh, Lawrence Wilson. Michael, what are what are you, what is your three, four, five, and three, four, five? Where do you think they're going? And obviously, you you think Washington football is getting Trey Lance. Do you think he's four? Do you think it's five? And like, what are your rankings of where you have all these players going? Yeah, so um, obviously one and two is uh, the combination of Lawrence and Wilson. Uh, I do think Lawrence is Jaguars. I do think Wilson is Jets. Um, I think they fare out fine that way too. And at number three, the San Francisco 49ers should absolutely take Justin Fields. I don't even think it's a question. You don't trade up for three for a Mac Jones where you could just trade up in the teens or you trade up. You can, you know, take the <laughs> take the Panthers spot. I mean, there's really no reason to trade up for a guy like Mac Jones. And if the 49ers did trade up for a guy like Mac Jones, then they just traded up for Kirk Cousins. And I don't think anybody in their right mind would trade up for Kirk Cousins. So I do think that Justin Fields is three at four. This is a little bit interesting. So if we do trade up, then it will be Trey Lance because he will be the fourth quarterback taken at eight, in my opinion. But if not, I'm not going to lie. I do see the Broncos sitting right there. And, you know, Drew Locke hasn't necessarily been a guy for them. And really, he's been underwhelming to say the least i do think as far as his needs and stuff like that and what that would do for the area and that midwest area i do think that the broncos would take a trey lance so i do think that regardless of how you spin it or whatever you do trey lance ends up being the fourth quarterback taken um and i think that mac jones is that whoever wants the quarterback from pick 10 to 20 that's who they're going to end up getting um and it's not to say that mac jones didn't doesn't deserve to be one of the uh, a top 10 pick or anything like that. But when you really look at it and analyze it, his intangibles, I mean, yes, he could start right away, but his upside, I don't ever think Mac Jones is going to be a top 10 quarterback unless you put him in a Brady-like situation year one, which is exactly what Brady walked into. And even Brady was never going to play unless Drew Bledsoe didn't get his head taken off. So really, I mean, if you want a guy like Mac Jones in there and you want him to succeed the best, then you had to put a lot around him. And maybe that's why the 49ers traded up. Who, knew, who knows? Because, I mean, they do have a way with building rosters and they have a way of, you know, finding fits and everything like that. But I don't necessarily think that's the pick. So I would say that um, my order is 
um, Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Lance, and Mac Jones at five. I don't know. I don't know what happened with Mac Jones' process, man. I mean, I kind of get it. Um, maybe they were overanalyzing it a little bit and trying to boost him up more. The read the problem is they tried to boost they tried to boost Mac Jones up by lowering fields, and that's just not what we're doing. Let's be real about it. Justin Fields is that guy, and uh, he's been improving in the league, in my opinion. But yeah, that's my order, man. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I go Lawrence one, Wilson two. <sighs> they might just, they might do Fields dirty. And that's the thing. It's like, are, are we really doing Fields dirty here? Like, wh- what is going on? But I go Lance three, Fields four, and Mac five. And like I said, I think we take Mac at five because that is the that ends up being the best uh, option for us for both value and what what we're looking for. So it's going to be super interesting and I have no idea what's going to happen, but we will be back this time next week. We'll have a big announcement and we'll also uh, come back with our first reactions of what happened in the first round for the Washington football team. So a lot coming these next couple of weeks. It's definitely an exciting day uh, next week, Thursday. Washington football is finally on the clock and we can see who's adding to yes, this sir. team. Is it potentially another piece to our, our linebacking core? Is it another piece to our uh, to our quarterback room or maybe even a safety or wide receiver? So many options that you can go here. But for Mike and for Micah, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace out.